Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Supercoach Podcast. I said that Perfect. really weird, but I'm going to keep going with it. I've got myself a hungry pistol on the line here. How are you, friend? I'm uh, doing very well. Unfortunately, though, I'm not hungry uh, for donuts because I got my fill in the Cornelio size donut this week. <laughs> okay, good set, mate. <laughs> I, I appreciated that a lot. Uh, okay, so we might as well get straight into it. How did you go for the week? Well, but I was just upset because <laughs> having Ke- Kelly and Cornelio this season has been nothing but just a hot mess for my team. It's been miserable, and I've just copped it uh, in consecutive weeks. So last week I scored uh, 2442 with a Gorn donut, and this week I scored 2442 with a Cornelio donut. So that's a little bit of a fun fact. I'm not sure. How often that would happen, but uh, it did, and I was a little bit upset, but I barely fell in ranks, so I managed to just slip outside the top 1,000, like I'm 1,040th, so I'm, I'm right there. Um, so it could have been worse, but at the same time, I'm running low on trades. Yes, well, I'm also running low on trades, but my situation is a little bit better at the minute. So I did not cop Cornelio uh, this week, so my score was 2589. Uh, which sent me 50 ranks into the positive to get me up to rank 140. That's huge. So my season's going well so far. Uh, I even dodged the vice captaincy of Grundy, as we were talking about earlier, which did not feel like a dodge at the time with his 50-point quarter. That did not feel like a 50-point quarter at the time. (laughs) But uh, I bounced back into Dangerfield. So um, some would say lucky. Other would say highly skilled. I'm probably the only one in the camp of the latter there. So... (laughs) I think you're the only person that would say you dodged a 137 captaincy score and mean it as well. <laughs> well, we were talking pre-podcast. I might be doing something funky again this week, oh, so gosh. maybe maybe I'm too cocky and, and just need to be, uh, you know, the crash, brought back to reality. The crash and burn is well and truly on the cards, that's for sure. <laughs> wow. I feel like you're rooting for that, but <laughs> we'll move beyond that. Uh, we've got a little bit to talk about in this episode. We'll start with the Cancer Council donations. There were a few, and I would just say um, we do not count the Cornelio donor as a donor because the Cornelio owners have, have really just gone through enough, haven't they? Yeah, haven't we suffered enough, I think, is really <laughs> the key tagline. Wow. I, I would obviously uh, welcome any donations for it. Cornelio Donut, but I'm not counting that as Cornelio Donut because uh, one, I'm sympathizing with all of you guys, and uh, two, it's just, it's like, it couldn't be worse, really, at this point of the season, uh, copping oh, a season-ending season injury. Um, all right, so, JB, let's jump right into the Cancer Council. We have uh, Dr. Misadventure for losing a Grundy bet. He thought it would go under 130.5. Um, and Ooh. that was with Butler. So uh, Butler doing good things for the Cancer Council by forcing other people to donate to the Cancer Council by making sharp bets. So thank you, Dr. Misadventure, for that, and Butler for making the bet in the first place. I think a humble brag was in on that as well. So Oh, wait, he changed his name, didn't yes, he? Yes, it's the same person. That's all right. Oh, jeez. Uh, all these name changes really <laughs> throw me off. Um, to, well, someone that didn't change their name uh, from last week, to Megabatimus. Um, let me just read what he said last week so I can read what he said this week because it, it marries up pretty well, JB. Um, I've got to scroll down a lot for last week, which is great. He says, last week he said, donating for copping the Boke and Gorn donuts as well as for the two boner donuts I caught, 
copped in round 12 and the two I copped in round 13. Fingers crossed for the rest of the year oh to gosh. remain donut free, but with only two trades left, oh I doubt God. it. So here we are the very next week. And he's donating again for donuts. So it didn't go very well as we predicted. Um, he said, I avoided one donut by trading Logue to Jack Silvani at the very last minute. In hindsight, I should have got Birchall instead, who was 70k cheaper than Jack and outscored him, only to get done in by Haitley playing Neefel again. With Dylan oh, no. with Dylan Clark covering Jelly's absence and Bewley out, I really needed Haitley to be a late in on Sunday in order to avoid a donut this week. Oh well, at least I still have one trade left for now. So... One trade left in Jack Silvani. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I feel like at least Haitley's probably going to come in for Canelio. Uh, maybe probably is a strong word, but at least there's a chance to come in for Canelio. So he should be okay. But also last week saying how he'd had two every week and saying, well, I should be fine for next week. And he was going to get two again. <laughs> and he was forced to trade. There's, I don't really like your chances of uh, avoiding donuts from here on out but do appreciate the donation and look forward to your running uh, i guess commentary of the rest of your season through yeah, the, the comments are so good he's left a massive paragraph here for us to read i love it <laughs> just every week just tell us how how it messed up this week looking forward to it um moving on to benno thanks very much for your donation mate Logue donut means another score donation yes uh, i can't say you'd be the only one um in that situation and if that's Team JB Benno, I'm actually quite disappointed, Ben. It, who, yeah, I mean, I doubt there's another Benno. Well, how many Bens with a surname starting with the O do you think there are out there? Three. Three? <laughs> okay, sorry. It's very rare. Uh, well, in that, in that case, it's definitely <laughs> my Team JP one. Um, <laughs> my bad. To Ryan Smith, thank you very much for your donation. He says, another special donut for mummy. We called this last week. <laughs> So, we called it. So this is just a normal glazed donut. It's not the it's not the gone chocolate donuts. But um, also, no. you didn't trade Mummy last week that when he was out. What's going on? Well, I suppose he's just addicted to glazed donuts. At some point, you really need to get Gorn and Grundy. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, I'm not sure how your team's looking, and I assume you're playing for league if you're willing to cop donut after donut for Mumford. But probably get Gorn and Grundy. Well, enjoy your glazed donut, Ryan. <laughs> it's, yeah, it didn't go well for him. So um, we've got some other talking points to, to go through as well. Uh, starting off with Cornelio, just recently announced to have done cartilage damage in his knee. Uh, will be out for the season. I think it's being, uh, being touted as. I, I think it's a three-month injury from memory. So um, obviously done for the season. Um, bad for GWS, bad for his or his plans in the off-season as well, potentially getting a, a decent contract. But bad for us super coaches too, Pistol. So um, those who have him, I mean, they can people can choose to go back to last week and listen to what we said about Josh Kelly because we're going to announce a lot of the same options. But um, there have been some things to change from last week. And I think someone who didn't actually factor into my considerations last week was Elliot Yo. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, he scored poorly in the that week. So knowing yeah. how you select options, just look at this previous week. Yeah, it's a week, week by week proposition. So yes. I can see exactly why you didn't uh, didn't pick him. But he did fall um, a bit in price and kind of make him at you know at the very kind price now, five hundred thirty nine k. So with his run uh, to finish the year, D's North, Carlton, Adelaide, Richmond, Hawthorne, um, I'd expect quite a few big scores. 
Yep, that's a good run coming up, and uh, we'll speak a little bit later about the tagging situation, but I think we're pretty clear on all of those teams, so um, he looks like a good one. Now, again, we suggested Bontepelli quite heavily last week. Now, with a potential injury cloud, having uh, spent a whole quarter on the bench last week with an ankle injury, I think we're a little bit more skeptical, but the good news is he spent a whole quarter on the bench last week with an ankle injury and still came back out and scored 93. He's a monster, but not as much as a monster as Josh Dunkley, uh, but still a monster nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, well, Josh Dunkley was the other one. The next one, actually, I was going to ask you about is Josh Dunkley. Uh, I know a few people still don't have him, uh, namely Chris from Supercoach Insider. Oh, no. And <laughs> Team Pistol member. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> yes. He was sort of floating up the fact that he, he might not have the coin to do so, but is a Cornelio owner as well. Um, and the thoughts of getting Dunkley into the midfield might, uh, I suppose, it, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer to those who own him because he's been so good. Five-round average and three-round average, both of 138 or higher. Um, would you advocate getting this forward into your midfield for a replacement for Cornelio? Oh, I think so. Since moving into the midfield, he's averaged like 130 or something like that. So he's probably going to have ended uh, the season as the person that scored the most since round seven which is when he moved into the midfield so i would definitely be looking at getting him but he is very expensive so there'll be people that just genuinely can't afford to get him in which is why we probably uh are focusing on the cheaper cheaper players such as you know the rory sloans and um i guess ben cunnington zach Merritt, uh mitch duncan and tim taranto well that's it so we spoke about rory sloan uh last week so i don't think much or anything has changed considering he just did as we expected against the gold coast which brings me to a few that you just mentioned then uh mitch duncan 500k taranto 512k and then we've got zach Merritt around that price 497 as well uh these players are all much cheaper and um, they're all about 30k cheaper than what canelia is at the moment um what are your thoughts here as all three of them coming off a nice ton uh, however, all three have had up and down weeks in the last month, that's for sure. They definitely have. Uh, this is a very tough question, um, but I have to make this decision myself. So I have looked into it and made my final decision. Doesn't mean that it's going to be the right one, um, but I'm pretty happy with uh, having Mitch Duncan in my side. Uh, JB, I'm not sure if you're a little bit surprised, but he's in 2%. Wow, that is surprising. That's very surprising, actually. Knowing how much I love Zach Merritt. Um Look, Zach is, maybe I'll talk about why I didn't select Zach Merritt first, and that's mostly just due to his draw. And I don't think his scoring potential this year has been you know, much better than the other two options. Um, they're all averaging you know, basically the same amount. And uh, Essendon's run to the end of the season is not that kind. So um, just a little pass, but no big deal um, really from that end. Whereas Mitch Duncan, that draw... That sweet, sweet Geelong draw that I've been mentioning for like the last eight <laughs> weeks of the season. Um, it's just insanely good. Hawthorne, Sydney, Fremantle, North Melbourne, Brisbane and Carlton. Uh, Brisbane probably looks a bit better, you know, a fortnight ago, but um, there's <laughs> other, and so did North Melbourne, I should say. But I just see them, you know, at their home ground, just taking the mickey out of some of these teams. So I feel like they need to keep playing their best players because they haven't locked in that uh, first round, maybe maybe the last round of the year is against Carlton at uh, Cardinia Park will be possibly a potential rest for some Geelong players if they've got top spot locked up. So I am a little bit uh, paranoid about that. But 
at the end of the day, um, every, all players, you know, have resting risks, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think Duncan's really the type of player. I mean, you think about the Selwoods and the Dangerfields and those types yeah, of Gaz. players who are, yeah, they're real A graders and also a little bit on the older side, especially Selwood and Gaz. And I don't think Mitch Duncan really fits in that category. I, like, I don't want to throw any crazy predictions out here, but I'd expect he plays the season out. Um, I will segue a little bit here into my next player, and that is Scott Pendlebury. So uh, there were rumors about him being out for two to seven weeks, which is an awfully strange time frame, might I add. Um, and now rumors cycling through that he might be good to go this week. So my question to you is, if he's good to go this week, is he a potential option with a three-round average of 110, or is he just a no-go zone considering the potential there of injury? Um, and again, if he's out for two to seven weeks, I suppose everything that we're saying now about Canelio applies to Pendlebury as well. Yeah, it definitely does. And fortunately, he's at the same price as all of the Zach Merritt, Mitch Duncan, and Tim Taranto. Uh, so I'd still probably lean towards Duncan out of the three of them. Taranto is really an unknown uh, quantity. Without the support of Kelly and Canelio around him, I'm sure he'll have some really big games and he might also have some really small games. So that's the, the higher risk, higher reward option, I think. Um, Duncan to me feels a little bit safer uh, but again this is uh, I have money constraints where I have to pick someone around that price Elliot Yo, I think is still a better option than all of them and Sloan is on another level uh, above above that okay so I think that summarizes it quite well um, just quickly the biggest beneficiaries so um, we've mentioned Tar- Taranto already as a beneficiary of the Cornelia out or a potential beneficiary Um I want to also ask about, firstly, his re- potential replacement, Haitley, coming back into the side and what you think the chances of that happening are. And again, we saw Toby Green moving to the midfield this week and maybe his potential as a forward option for the rest of the season for those people looking for a more of a budget option considering if he plays in the midfield, then he's just incredibly more likely to get a decent week-to-week score and more consistent scoring as well. Yeah, so he went 138 this week and he's only 420k. We've seen him in the past play as a pure ball-winning midfielder and he can rack it up like nobody else as well. He's in that, I guess, elite category where they just accumulate the ball um, just at ridiculous uh, paces, I guess. I think the problem with Green is that injury history. There's so much distrust there. He could be thrown forward at any stage, depending on you know who they bring in and all that stuff. So uh, for me, I probably wouldn't be looking at bringing in someone like Toby Green. Um, another player that might benefit is Jacob Hopper. Um, I think for memory, there was somebody in the top 200 that still had Hopper in their side. So that's a lucky break. Um, and <laughs> yeah, geez, they're traveling quite well. Yeah, no, they've, they've definitely gone well with that one. Um, May have lucked out a little bit. Haitley, on the other hand, look, if he can't get a game where Cornelio and Kelly are both missing, I just don't like his chances for the rest of the year, JB. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very good point. I think a lot of people were surprised to see him go out, uh, considering Kelly was also injured this week as well. So um, probably the most likely replacement. But again, if we don't see him pop back in, then yeah, it's it probably says more about his job security in the future than, than anything else. So... Um, I suppose we'll move into, uh, I don't know how much we need to talk about it, but Darcy Moore also got injured this week uh, with a hamstring injury, only pulled together the 13 points, actually lost 10k, he had a relatively low break even considering his form recently, which is 
Um, quite sad for him on an AFL level and for those who were still holding him as either cover or uh, that last on-field upgrade. So um, this brings me to the point that he's definitely in need of a trade-out now as well. He definitely is. And JB, I'm going to throw you a question on the spot. If you had him in the back line, uh, who would you get uh, that's cheaper than him? And if you had him in the forward line, who would you get that's uh, cheaper than him? Well, that is on the spot. I'll give you that. <laughs> it definitely um, is on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to fly over to the uh, to see which players are actually cheaper than. Yeah, I was going to say so, you, his price is three hundred eighty nine k. If that helps at all, well, it definitely doesn't hurt, Pistol. Thanks for throwing me that information. <laughs> uh, so I'll start in defence. A guy that I suppose we trashed a lot last week, Alex Witherden, put out an eighty nine this week. So uh, could be a bit of a cheeky option. Besides that, I, th- I think def- in defence, if you're looking for someone to actually keep then you're in a bit of strife. Um, you, you might be better off just... Virtual? Trying to get... Hey? Virtual? Okay, so he... Yeah, I suppose... You cut in before I could get there, but... Um, yeah, he debuted for the year, or pretty much for the last decade this week, and scored <laughs> 87. I suppose you're trusting his body to do quite a bit, because, I mean, like I said, it's his first game in pretty much the last century, but... Um, yeah, scored 87, so his scoring potential seems to be there. If you're going to take a punt, then you're going from one injury-prone player to another, but why not? Yeah, there's some players where, yeah, that that price point at this time of the season is very difficult. Um, I think I'll answer my own question in the forward line, but I'm guessing cheaper than that. Um, Wingard is very cheap. We mentioned him last week. He's 359k, so he just stayed put in his price and um, he put on an 88 score and he was getting actually quite a lot of midfield time as well so what about your boy Tommy Hawkins <laughs> alright there's been uh, some misinformation <laughs> that's been going on when I suggested Uh-oh. Tom Hawkins like 7 weeks ago uh, pre-buy I didn't realise that when he came back after the buy they would have switched him out with somebody else that's a lookalike that doesn't have any footballing ability uh, that's fair enough so yeah since around 12 where he was averaging like 99. He's put out a 24, a 71, a 52, and a 53. I don't even understand how that happens. It's his four like worst scores for the whole year in a row after the bye. What about Tom Lynch for Richmond? Uh, first week with Jack back in the team. Scored 103, priced at 339k. He is very cheap. Uh, he could definitely be bench cover. Um, I like that one. I also like uh, one that Al Payton put out on the Twitter, um, and that was Shy Bolton at 339k. Uh, he's played a lot more midfield time in the last two weeks, putting out a 122 and 112. Um, you know, racking, racking up 29 disposals last week. So I definitely think that he is um, an option as well if you, you want to take a pump. But all of these players, it just takes one little role change one week. Um, and they start scoring poorly again. I mean, Jay Simkin had dominated um, in recent times and only put out a 61 last week as well. So um, The whole North all... Melbourne midfield was bad last week, though. Yes. And Cunnington was tagged out of it, and Zeeble, who played a lot of midfield as well, scored poorly. Yes, so you, at this price, you can't really expect you know consistent no. good scores, um, but you can definitely shark a good score or two if they're your bench cover and loophole them on. So um, I'd probably be looking at those guys with the, the really high ceiling. Well, now that we're talking about trading players out and getting in some bench cover, I want to discuss to you a little bit about trades. And um, so, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. So, 
for example, how many trades do you think people would ideally like to have? And don't you dare say thirty. <laughs> 30. Um, let, let's be let's be realistic here. Uh, at this stage of the season, with a full premium side, and can you go through maybe your own team and and sort of pick out a few players that you think are at risk of a potential either resting or injury or what may potentially happen? I know we're predicting the future here, but um, some players are obviously far more likely than others. So um, what are your thoughts, first of all, on an ideal amount of trades at this point of the season with a full premium side? So I definitely know it's very possible to have like six trades and a fully premium side. Um, I've seen plenty of teams with that. So that would be in an ideal world. I think if you're heading into your Supercoach finals or you're even heading into this last part of the season with six trades, you're sitting quite pretty. Um, so for me, anything more than that is just an absolute cherry on top, but six would be perfectly ideal. If you have um, five or four, I think you're doing okay. Um, if you had four right now, that's probably, um, I'd say the kind of the minimum that I'd want to have if I could have my pick of the litter. Um, unf- unfortunately, uh, there are some people like myself that are running much lower than that at the moment. Okay, okay. so how, m- how many trades do you have left in your side? Jeez, oh, I'm in some keeper leagues, so I'm, I'm going to have to uh, keep that information confidential, but it is definitely less than four <laughs> uh, after using two this week. <laughs> well, I'm not in any cash leagues, and I've just made my last upgrade this week, and I've got two trades left. That's not enough. It's not, is it? And I'm very concerned. I mean, I'm ranked 140th, if I can just mention that again quickly. <laughs> and that could all come undone in a literal two-week span where I don't have trades and, and people do and I just drop out to, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred. So it's definitely important to be holding on to your trades. I wouldn't be doing any sort of sideways, ticky-tacky trades. Now we're saving them for long-term injuries. Um, if you've got one final upgrade you want to get in and it takes you down to four or three, then... You know, it could probably justify it if, if you're in a good position rank-wise, but otherwise I wouldn't be taking any risks with those trades. Yeah, and I know last season there were quite a few injuries, but um, ironically, last season I had a trade, just one trade at this point onwards, and I didn't need it. I got to the final round and I was like, well, I didn't cop anything, so I just had to burn it on sideways trading. Uh, I think I got rid of I think it was like JPK or something, and then he scored well. Whoever I got out in the last round scored better than the person that I traded in as well. And it can be like that as well. People can go on spans where, you know, you, you might have had Canelio, you might have had Josh Kelly. I'm pretty much naming your team here, Pistol. You are. Um, and Darcy Moore, for example, all in the last couple of weeks. And then you might not, you might go three, four weeks without a single injury now. So um, it can flip real quickly, but I would not be relying on two or three trades for the rest of the season because chances are you're going to have to use them in the next couple of weeks. So um, probably something that might be a little alarming to coaches, but at the end of the day, Pistol, um, as I say that, if you're in a good ranking position like myself, then it's really, I mean, you build for this the whole entire season. And if you can get into a position where you think you can, you're within reach of your goal, top 100, top 500, top 10,000, whatever it is, then in my opinion, I, I say you, you burn, burn trades as you, you know, sensibly can to make that last upgrade or something and, you know, still leave yourself with a few left and just get yourself in the best position possible because you might get lucky. Yep, and that's uh, pretty much it. And if you hold out and you're just playing a rookie on the field and, I mean, maybe you can use that to upgrade um, if, you know, there's another injury and you can, you know, downgrade them and 
free up some cash and upgrade that other player. But also you might not cop anything and you just are holding this trade and money in the bank for no reason. So um, yep. yeah, it's, it's tough because we don't have a crystal ball. Um, but to answer your question, JB, about which players I think might get a rest on the run home, um, I do have a crystal ball now for this segment. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. Yes, no, I've, I've whipped it out. Good props. And just just having a little feel of this crystal ball and looking at my side, I can kind of uh, sense possibly uh, a couple more Fremantle losses, and that's a net five rest in this run home. Ooh, that would hurt everyone. Yes, so I can I can feel that coming but that that is that's not as painful well for me as the the other tingling sense that i can feel um and that is possibly (laughs) a clayton oliver rest jb um oliver he hasn't even done anything this season that's the point what's he (laughs) resting from if he's sore i'm i mean look we know where he plays and how hard he plays if they've got nothing to play for um coming into the last couple of weeks I'm not entirely sure if they will play him. I don't know. I'm just completely making it up because uh, this is what my crystal ball is telling me. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he, he had a lot of preseason surgery and all that if stuff. If I can so. come up with a follow-up question. Sure. It sounds like you're you're naming a few midfielders here. So I think ideally we all get some midfield cover onto our bench as soon as possible. Hopefully, Haitley helps with that this week. But uh, which which is your most at-risk forward and defender for the, the rest of the season, do you think? That's a great question. Uh, well, I mean, Boak just missed the game, so I'm not going to say him. <laughs> that would be the logical yeah, choice. I think he's fairly safe. I, I don't think Dangerfield or Kelly are going to miss if that's where you're heading. I, I feel like they'll play out the season and just dominate. Uh, both of them in Brownlow contention as well, so I think they'll want to play. And if the other one isn't playing, I think they'll love that. <laughs> um, but... Look, Saints need Marshall at this point in time. I don't think they can afford to give him a rest. Dunkley just pumped out a 200. I think they're pretty happy with him at the moment. And Heaney, well, technically he can afford a rest, but Swans want to win games. I mean, Longway just resigned as the coach. Uh, they definitely aren't trying to lose or trying to get a better draft pick. So, um, I mean, they just lost the cards, and I would argue that they're definitely trying to lose. Uh, I did mention they just re-signed Horse for three years, right? So that's... Uh, Maybe prove, yeah, proving your he, point that they do do want to lose. <laughs> that's true, actually. That's true. So, possibly a Heaney. No, I think Heaney will play um, for the rest of the season. Okay, so we'll find up forward. Yes. Anything that concerns you down back. Now, I don't, I don't mean to speak out of turn here, Pistol, but potentially the Giants defender who's been playing more than what we expected this season. Whitfield copped in heavy knocks to the ribs, and I know you're talking about Zach Williams, but they can't. If they lose games and they don't play their best players now, they will miss finals. So they need to win the matches. They need to play their best players, and that's kind of how I see that Shannon Hearn as well. They're not going to miss finals, but you know they're fighting for that top two spot so they can get a home final, and that's really important for them. So I think all of the players there. Um, Hawks are kind of still fighting, so you know Sicily's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play forward or back, but he will play. Um, Brody, well, I've got Brody Smith still, who's been very good lately in the last fortnight, and I love it when a plan comes together. So I'm really happy having him for this, uh, you know, four week period. I guess I'm holding him now for the rest of the season. I've just thrown my hat in with that lot. Yeah, you're probably going to have to with the uh, one trade that you have left there. Who knows how many I have, JB? Who knows? Um, <laughs> That's true. So for... I'm just making pot, pot shots here <laughs> because I assume it's a low number with you. Um, and yeah, 
Jake Lloyd doesn't really miss games anyway, so I feel I feel okay, safe. Last but if I had Luke Ryan, for example, I would feel less comfortable. That's fair. Last question: uh, Max Gorn coming off of a sore ankle, Bontepelli with now a sore ankle. Do you think either of them are a chance in the next fortnight? Well, Bulldog, Bulldogs can make finals, so they'll play Bont if they can. Like, if he's like fifty percent fit, they probably play Bont and. Uh, Melbourne just need a win so that their fans don't, you know, get very depressed. <laughs> and, like, ex- and I suppose if they're playing oh. Gorn this week, then, you know, he's close enough to fully fit anyway. So, yeah. Okay, that pretty much wraps that up. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, is it's pretty much just a public service announcement to all super coaches out there, uh, especially those considering some obscure captain's calls in the last few rounds. We've got taggers, Pistol, and I don't think we've seen this many taggers in the game for a long time, and I counted just off the top of my head a potential six taggers from last week uh, going into next week. There's probably a couple more that I've missed, but at the moment, uh, Gold Coast tag with Shear. He's done a job uh, each week in the last month, pretty much. Tag defenders, uh, so fortunately, yes, mostly we, won't, defenders. we won't be captaining many defenders, so that's that's the positive of this, I guess. I mean, it, just in case that I don't know if they even play Sydney for the rest of the year, but you know, they're sort of you don't want to vice captain Lloyd against they're them. They're just played just twice. <laughs> it's like oh, last okay, week. Well, <laughs> okay, well, you know what I mean, anyway. So it's just, it's just a heads up. So pistol, who do you okay? think she will tag this week against Carlton? Um, against Carlton, uh, that's a good question. Uh, probably the player who's very, very much so in form, it could be Nick Newman yeah. because he dominated the Swans this week. He did. Dominated. I think it's possible that they go to Nick Newman. I, I'm not sure if she's going to stay just tagging Backman. Otherwise, you know, they could tag someone else who might be more in form in the midfield, uh, for example. But otherwise, if they're sticking with their defensive tags, Nick Newman might be the one. Okay, so moving on, Chris Main also did a job this week on Shannon Hearn, which is why the 82 uh, was not actually that frustrating. If you watch the game, he was getting blanketed. Uh, anytime he tried to run around for the hand pass, Main was right on his tail. So it was a genuine tag. Um, he did a job on Hearn. So this week coming up for Collingwood, um, I think it's a week-by-week proposition, but I'd be concerned having uh, Whitfield in back in my side because... Um, I don't think it's just a defender tag. He could tag a forward. He could tag pretty much anyone because Maine plays pretty much everywhere. <laughs> um, I think Whitfield's in a bit of strife. Yeah, well, I'm trading in Whitfield, so I, I can't get around this one, but it's either going to be him or Zach Williams, you'd think. So probably Whitfield, given how damaging he is with the ball and how much meters gained he's able to get. But I would not be surprised at all if it went to Zach Williams instead just because of how penetrating his kick is. Maybe, but I think you're grasping at straws there. So <laughs> I have both. Um, the, I'm screwed either way. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is Dylan Clark for Essendon. Obviously, a big scalp on the weekend with Cunnington. Uh, he's taken down Cripps, Cunnington, and a couple of other big-bodied midfielders. And I think the key words here are big-bodied midfielders. So um, doesn't really go with the agile ones. Tried to tag Josh Kelly a month back, and uh, Josh Kelly pretty much ran him off his feet. Still almost gathered the 30 disposals there. So... Um, wasn't a super effective tag but the big bodied midfielders are the ones that he goes with this week has Adelaide Crows I wouldn't call Sloan a big bodied midfielder but he does play like one so um, maybe a little concern there yep definitely I think uh, 
I'd still get Sloan because he's the best player at his price point and has been unbelievable this season. He's even, you know, worked his way through tags pretty much. He got through a DeBoer tag with a ton, so... Yeah, he's been just amazing this season. So I wouldn't put it past him to absolutely break this tag to smithereens, but at the same time, I, I would be expecting Dylan Clark to go to him this week. Yep, uh, that takes me to my next one, which was the de- uh, debuton Sutcliffe this week, the Port Adelaide debuton. He's obviously played over 100 games in the AFL uh, with Fremantle. Uh, went to Neil in the first quarter before Burton got injured, uh, in which case he had to go back into defense. I do think he'll get dropped this week, but he will get dropped for Dan Houston, who's been tagging anyway. So I expect either one of those, uh, whoever plays, to go to Dustin Martin this week. Yeah, that's probably a pretty safe call there, JB. Cool. Uh, next up is Jack Steele for St. Kilda. He's been doing a job pretty much all year. Um, not really a, a full-on tagging job, more of a uh, I'm going to negate you and also try and get my own ball type of thing. So um, just a real stoppage by stoppage tag rather than around the ground. Um, so I, I don't know if we should be super concerned. I don't know how many scouts Steele has taken. Maybe you'd be better off answering this than I would be. Probably not. Uh, I don't think he's done... He, yeah, he hasn't completely stopped many players uh, in their tracks, but maybe limited their ceiling. Okay, so has Bulldogs this week uh, a chance, I'd say, to go to Dunkley, considering he he tends to attack the bigger-bodied midfielders as well, but also a chance to go to Bontepelli, as he is their most damaging player. Um, I assume if we see that happening, Bont will just go out forward and and kick a bag of goals anyway. Yeah, or McRae. Um, I think, as you said, I think Bont's less likely to get a tag just because he can shake it so easily, um, and that you know that ankle might be hampering him. It's hard to predict who he'll tag. Otherwise, I mean, Dunkley just had a ridiculous game, so there might be some recency bias in trying to tag, I guess, the form man. But McRae is exceptionally damaging as well, so uh, could go there. And then just lastly, you've mentioned Mackenzie from St Kilda, who did a. Uh, forwards tag last week so you would know more about that one at least than I would. Uh, well he t- tried to tag Tom Stewart last week. I'm not sure how successful he was. I'm not sure if he'll remain in the side either. Um, if Caleb Daniel comes back though uh, this week that might be something that could be happening. Uh, it could be on the cards but again uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see for team announcements for that one. And then obviously DeBoer injured at the moment as is Hutchings but whenever they return if they return then we could expect to see more taggers in the game. And that is almost every team in the league with the tagger at the moment, Pistol. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just uh, the return of the tagger just like randomly towards the end of the season. Yep, and it doesn't help us super coaches, but hopefully now um, now that we've sort of named a few, we should be able to navigate a little better with our captaincy decisions as well. I don't think we're having much of a problem because... You don't see many taggers go to Brody Grundy pistol. No, <laughs> and that's uh, the safest captaincy choice of all, really. <laughs> so uh, just lastly, I want to bring back up the segment that has been getting all the Twitter hype over the last few weeks that we've run it, and that is you absolutely hating the game of Supercoach oh. wanting to change every aspect <laughs> about it. So what are you pointing at this week in saying that you hate about the game? That is harsh. I love the game. I'm just offering some <laughs> suggestions for improvement. Um, before going into this week's uh, suggestion, I want to touch or revisit on the previous weeks with some really good suggestions uh, that we've heard back from the community um, regarding the emergencies and the bench, uh, how the bench works in Supercoach. Um, I had a really, really interesting suggestion um, by AG on on uh, Slack, and he said that 
why are we confined to selecting, you know, certain positions on the bench, like two forwards, two backs, you know, three midfielders and one ruck? Why don't we have the freedom to just select any eight players we want for our bench? And if you don't have cover for a player that's out, then you just cop it. So I can have eight midfielders if I want, but if I have a forward that's out or a back that's out, I'm going to cop a donut. Um, and that, I guess, has its flaws because you'll be able to increase your team value uh, more quickly, but then becomes risk-reward with strategy. And in combination with some other changes, I think that could be um, a very, very cool um, idea, especially if yeah, if we change how the emergencies work as well. I think that idea will um, fit in really nicely, JB. Um, secondly, regarding the vice captains and captains, we got so many different um, opinions and it was crazy just to hear... The feedback was awesome it, on this one. It was crazy to hear how many people were so passionate about what we should do with them. I'm not really sure if we got a final, I guess, consensus on what the best idea was, um, but I was actually surprised at how many people just said, I don't want to pick a VC or C. I, I was very surprised. They were just like, yeah, just scrap it, um, which... I genuinely didn't even consider as an option. So uh, that was somewhat interesting, but um, personally, I still don't think that's the the right way to go. A lot of people did suggest just locking them in at the beginning of the rounds, but then that kind of means if you trade that player, then the person you'd My be trading about is a captain. Is if, if you know someone's got an injury cloud going into the week, you, you're not going to vice captain or captain them anyway. So, and how often do you trade out your your one of your top three best players in your whole team, like that during the week? Yes, it's during the round. Very rare. Yeah, it's it's you probably only do it in the last round or two if you had one trade left and you know five was a late out or something like that. So, um, yeah, that the counter argument to locking the cat, sorry, the counter counter argument to locking the vice captain and captain in on Friday, I think is yeah, and maybe a tiny. I can see obviously the the main premise of the argument. I think it's a tiny bit more redundant than what we might consider. Yeah. Anyway, so... In combination with the emergencies, just not... You know, you don't have to pick four. You can just... You order them, so who can come on, so you can get as many emergencies off the benches as you want, but they will come off in a um, specific order. If you have that in combination with the game locking out on Friday and your captain's being locked in, there actually isn't a need for a rolling lockout because you're emergencies will come off in that order i mean the only thing that will then be affected is you won't be able to emergency loophole but i don't think anybody will be you know sitting here crying over the fact they won't be able to emergency loophole given most of us barely have enough cover um even now to even get someone off the bench so um i think if we it's definitely uh, we could move away from um a rolling lockout if we also change how the emergencies work and it, free it really up people's levels weekend. the playing field as well because people don't have to check their teams from friday through sunday yeah, and I think uh, appealing to people that then they can go out and actually watch the football as well. Um, oh, you know, God, they can leave my house. They can spend more time researching and reading Supercoach articles to know what, what was to that do. hashtag from last week? Pistol? No, we won't revisit that. Um, but I did want to get into the section for this week and the talking point. Um, and this one comes close to my heart, especially this week. And that is something that I dislike. Actually, quite a Ooh. big amount. Uh, you don't dislike anything. I, I actually dislike this part of the game, and that is if a player cops an injury at the very beginning <gasps> of a match, I don't like know. <laughs> like Canelio, I wonder what sparked this. I don't know why they have to drop in price as well. I feel like if 
I am going to cop an injury like Cornelio and get zero points on my field and I can't get my emergency off. So I've got zero points on my field. I then have a zero point score on my field counting for my weekly score. I have to burn a trade on trading out my premium player that other people don't have to do. And I just cops like a 40k price drop so that my replacement player is going to be significantly work worse. So isn't the first two things enough? Like, do I have to really suffer a massive price drop on top of the first two things? Like, I've, I've just been like absolutely decimated by complete luck. I know that there's luck in the game anyway. But surely it would not be that difficult to say, hang on, if a player plays less than 50% time on ground, then they don't change in price at all. It just has a price freeze for that week. And then next week, you know, it continues as normal as if that game, um, it doesn't even go in the rolling average. It doesn't affect it at all. Because how rarely does a player that's fully fit play less than 50% time on ground? Um, probably maybe Bolter did at the beginning of the year, but or Nick Nat maybe when he was coming back. But um, even if it was 40%, just to ensure, ensure that, I don't think players that get injured um, should affect price drops at all, JB. Yeah, I can subscribe to that, and that's sort of uh, taken from the Fantasy Premier League, where if someone gets a long-term injury or um, I think it's is it a red card, a three-week suspension as well, um, their price gets locked for from changing until they're cleared to play, and then the week after it's opened back up again uh, for movement. So it makes sense why we're punishing people who had the unluck of getting some sort of injury in the first place. I've got a question for you as well in regards to this. Do you think that if someone gets injured in the first half like Nelio did and gets a score lower than your emergency, if your emergency isn't activated for the round, should it come into play for that? I've definitely thought about this before. Because if you consider the sub rule that we had for years and years back in the day, um, someone would play a half a footy and then someone would sub on. Um, this is essentially you be you know you got your injured player who's been concussed in the first five minutes and you're just taking the vest off you you're subbing on your player in return. Look, it definitely makes sense. It adds a little bit of uh, complication to the game because then maybe you want stronger bench cover just in case I guess these things happen. But honestly, I don't mind the bad luck. Like it's all part of the game. We all play Supercoach. We know that injuries happen. I have. I don't really have an issue with if your player gets injured, you cop a bad score. I'm I'm really fine with that. It's more that your player drops, you know, whore players, whore owners had 400k player on their hands and then they copped a three and dropped 50k in price and then the replacements yeah. they could get were just nothing. And I feel like that's just a triple whammy of, you know, it, it doesn't doesn't need to happen. So yeah. I'm, I'm fine with players, you know, you cop the bad score, I'm, I'm cop the Canelio one on the chin. But you know, taking the price here as well was just, I think, a little bit harsh. And same goes to Darcy Moore owners this week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but back in the day when every single person in the world owned Gary Ablett for Gold Coast, I swear he had a concussion in the first minute of the game, scored zero, and people got their emergency score. Uh, I will correct you because that's not right. So, Are you sure? Yes. I swear I remember an article and everything being produced about it. No, there was... Maybe people protested, but it wasn't allowed. There was... Uh... Ty Canelli got a zero, and that was, I think, the first time, or the first, I guess, time where people, there was mass hysteria, and they were like, does Canelli zero count? And it was just, uh, I guess, got memed because so many people were asking the same question, and the answer the whole time was, no, it, it does not count. Um, and that was the, the first time I remember there being mass panic, and no, after enough. that, it's been uh, straightforward. The, the zero will, will count, and you do not get the emergency score. 
Maybe I'm crazy, Pistol. That could be it. Let's not rule anything out. Um, all right. Well, I yeah, I find that incredibly interesting, and I like most community members as well. I think we all pick up things about the game that we think we can improve without even really knowing that we do. Like when I brought up the captaincy, the vice captain captaincy thing a couple of weeks ago, that was only sparked because you brought up a change in the game as well. And I thought, well, hang on. Yeah, well, this doesn't make sense either. So um, it's crazy how emotional and how serious people get about these things because we all love this game so much and we just want it to improve as much as possible. Uh, we want to have more enjoyment playing it, even though it's already the most enjoyable thing in the world. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just I find it really cool to have all the responses and what you're doing here by generating the discussion, I think, is a really good thing and really healthy thing for the community as well. Definitely. Uh, thanks for that, JB. And a shout-out to uh, Stephen Nikol- Nikolovsky, I hope I said your name right, as well. For He tweeted me Definitely pretty did. much this exact thing. Um, I did already have the idea, but I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Um, and I love when people you know, get back to me with their feedback on and tell me what they think should, should happen as well. Just generate the discussion. And uh, yeah, if we'll, we'll bring some of it up on the podcast and just uh, continue this open discussion. I think it's been uh, really, really fun. For sure, and very productive as well. Well, actually, not productive at all from what we've seen so far. There obviously hasn't been any changes, but at least productive to talk about and get get all these things off our our minds and off our chest. So, I think that pretty much does it for the podcast. Uh, have you got any last things to say there, Pistol? I don't, uh, but I'm just praying for no injuries and no no sudden late outs or any team news that threatens the existence of my team going forwards. Yep, so quickly on that note as well, um, considering there's unlikely to be any major team news this Thursday, it's also unlikely that we do a podcast, I want to say. Um, if there are changes that we need to talk about, obviously we're jumping on the mic and, and doing the normal podcast. If not, make sure you check out Lahug's captain's articles during the week, um, as that's where we pull all our good captain's information from. So um, I I, th- I still think... I've I don't want to hold out hope for Carnage, but I think that we'll be on the mic Thursday, Pistol. I don't think we're that lucky. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so you can check us out on our Twitters. Uh, firstly, at Pistol underscore DRSC, followed by at Chizo underscore DRSC, and myself at JB underscore DRSC, the best ranked podcaster by about a thousand ranks. <laughs> Not close. <laughs> Not at all. What you, wait, what's your rank? Come on. It's a th- we just went through this. It was 1,000. Do you even listen? 1,040. Chizo's at like 950-ish. Um, we're all up well, there. There you go. I'm 800 ranks higher than the, the next best. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you're not 1,000, so don't get ahead so of yourself. So in other words, you guys are all bad at supercoaching. I'm very good. <laughs> I mean, what, what is rank 900? Who even cares about that rank? That's true. I guess uh, doesn't. No, no one ever remembers the, the 900th ranked person, but we always remember the 140th ranked person. Exactly. Oh, I'm, just, I'm glad we're finally on the same <laughs> wavelength now. So the main super coach, uh, the main Twitter is at Dr. Underscore SC. So uh, make sure you catch us there. Leave a comment as well on the Facebook if you've got some ideas for the game. Obviously, at us on Twitter as well. We actually enjoy listening to them. It is definite podcast material if we like it. So that'll do us for the week. Uh, thank you for joining. Cho- oh, my gosh. I can't even do the outro. If you still take it away. Thank you for joining us, community. <laughs> Why do you do this to me every week?